Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Right to the point. We're talking about written communication on this edition of the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. This is the podcast where we dive into the core competencies detailed in The Complete Leader. It's a book by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. Each and every week, we take a look at one of those core competencies, dig a little deeper. Of course, reading the book is a big help. You don't have to. If you haven't read the book yet, you're going to get a lot out of this podcast today specifically about written communication. Each and every week, we dive into these topics with the co-author, Ron Price. He works shoulder to shoulder with executive leadership teams to bring strategic clarity and transformational results to organizations, especially those dealing with turmoil and transition. So in 2004, Ron started Price Associates. It's a global leadership performance firm that features the bright minds and innovative solutions of some of the world's top consultants in organizational development, process management, branding, marketing, and much, much more. You can find out more about Price Associates at price-associates.com. Also, don't forget thecompleteleader.org is the place to go for so many resources connected to this. Ron, great to be with you today. Thank you, Dale. It's good to be with you also. So when I think about reading the book and I think about this topic of written communication, I think about the idea that we as human beings, we're going to approach writing either to inform or influence. Uh, Are we writing for some other motivation beyond that? Uh, Maybe we're afraid to tell something to somebody face to face. So we're going to write or we just find writing to be more convenient. Uh, We're writing to be discovered. Uh, Whatever our reason today, though, we're going to talk about this idea of written communication as part of our journey to becoming complete leaders. Yes. And I think it's good for us to start with a basic definition, which is going to be clear to everybody. And that is that written communication is a written message that's communicated in a clear and compelling manner. But of course, in today's world, there are so many different mediums and styles of writing. So this is where the idea of developing written communication as a skill becomes very important as a leader. In today's world, we tend to write a lot differently than previous generations did. I don't know if you've had this experience, Dale, but one of the people that's impacted me a lot in my writing is my dad. He's 93 years old. And he doesn't really think of writing on a computer or on a smartphone or on a tablet. To him, writing is pulling out a piece of paper and a pen and it's writing in cursive, which is a lot different than most of us are thinking about when we think about writing today. The handwritten version. Yeah. And today, actually, most of our writing is more about quantity than quality. So you think about all the things that we have available to us today that weren't here even 20 years ago. So, for instance, email didn't exist in the early 90s. I remember when I first started working in Asia in 1991, I thought the fax machine was tremendous technology because I could type up a message and print it on my little portable printer and take it down to the hotel's business office, and they would fax it back to our office in the United States. And we had no email. This is how we did all of our communication. And since then, of course, SMS or texting has come into existence, and Twitter, and Facebook, Facebook and WeChat and LinkedIn and Instagram. Well, the list just keeps going on. We are communicating in so many ways today 
that didn't even exist 20 years ago. So thinking about writing in our communicating has taken on a whole different uh, perspective, a whole different context than what it did years ago. So what I get concerned about is writing has really become a lot more about the quantity of how much you write and less about the quality. There's a quote that comes to mind that I just always go to. I would have written a much shorter letter if I would have had the time. <laughs> that's that's right. And one of the things I remember uh, Dale Carnegie talking about years ago, he was talking about presenting a, a spoken presentation, but it fits with writing as well. He said, if I'm going to speak for an hour, I only need three hours to prepare. If I'm going to speak for 20 minutes, I need 10 hours to prepare. <laughs> and it's, it's really true that if you want to focus on the quality of your writing, you really have to slow down and be more thoughtful and you have to be willing to go back and recraft to edit and to work on making sure that you're communicating what you mean and then spend a lot of your time thinking about what others might be thinking that you mean that you don't want to communicate. Would you say that it's even more important in the age of email, texting, Twitter, Facebook, WeChat, Instagram, it's even more important to focus on the quality of writing there because it is so easy to infer meaning and infer the wrong meaning? I think it is. I think it's it's really a dichotomy because written communication skills, I think, are more important today for leaders than ever before, just because of the sheer quantity of how many times we choose writing in order to communicate. And of course, here I'm talking about typing into our phone or tablet or computer, I'm not talking about the old cursive writing that my, you know, it's funny, my dad has written me letters for many years. And, and he writes these beautiful letters and beautiful cursive penmanship. And when I talk with him, he said, oh, I'm a lousy writer. And my, my dad was, which would have been my grandpa's, was so much more beautiful in his writing. And compared to today, my dad's really quite artistic. But when he compares to the previous generation, he doesn't feel that way. Well, we don't do that today. There's something that changes in the way you think about your writing when you're writing it out longhand in cursive as opposed to when you're typing. And, and you're either punching into a smartphone or you're using all eight fingers to type into a computer. So just the fact that we're doing so much of it means that we need to spend more time thinking about how we do it, when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate to do it. And yet everybody that I talk to who's paying attention to written communication tells me that we're losing our written communication skills even on a computer. You know, one example of this, Dale, is, is uh, I have a friend who was first a medical doctor, then he went to law school and uh, got his law degree, and then he started teaching law at the local law school. And he told me that one of the things that is the most disconcerting for him is that these people who are learning law, usually the majority of them don't know how to write well. And when he um, gives them a grade that reflects the lack of quality in their writing, they complain and say, I shouldn't be judged based on my writing. I should be judged based on the thought I was sharing. And he's saying, you don't get it. You're writing, you're writing the law. You're, you're writing things that are going to change people's lives. You're writing things, whether they affect us at a legislative level or in a court of law, you're writing things that the quality of how you write it is just as important as what you're writing. And yet he said that he's told me that he's observed that there's a tremendous decrease in the quality of written communication skills. He also told me that he sees this regularly 
when people apply for jobs. He's also the CEO of a large healthcare system right now. And he's amazed at how many people send him a cover letter with their resume and their grammatical errors, there's misspelling, their punctuation errors in their cover letter. And he assumes that if they don't know how to write a cover letter with professionalism, they're probably not going to be a good choice to fill the position they're applying for. So it is a big issue in today's workplace. And it's important for us to remember that the technical aspect of our writing is what helps convey those great ideas. So the idea might be great, but it's really how it's presented that is important. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when I work with people on improving their writing skills, the first thing I recommend is let's get back to the basics. It may be cute to be like E.E. Cummings and to not capitalize your words or to use punctuation inappropriately. And if you're writing poetry, go for it. No problem. Maybe even a little bit with prose. But the majority of leaders are not writing poetry or prose. And when you don't use proper punctuation or you don't use um, proper grammar or when you're making mistakes in vocabulary, things like that, it reflects on your leadership. It, It comes across that you're not really as professional as you would be perceived to be if you pay attention to the basics. So I say it's important to go back to the basics. That's the first thing that you want to do. And if you really want to become more effective in your writer, you come back to something that we've discussed when it comes to any audience that you're reaching out to. Think about who it is you're writing to. Who's the audience? And how do they prefer that you communicate with them? Dale, one of the things that we do with leaders is help them understand the different patterns of behavior or motivation or thinking with the people that they're interacting with. And we know that people receive communication based on their preferences and that there are distinct differences in how people prefer that you communicate with them. And it includes in writing as well. So, for instance, if you're writing to somebody that you know tends to be quick to make decisions, they have a sense of urgency, they wanna get to the bottom line, then don't write five or six paragraphs to them. If you need to give them a lot of content, give them a bulleted email or give them a bulleted letter and then have an attachment or follow-up documentation that they can always go look to if they wanna dig in deeper themselves, but let them make that decision. I I was working with the head of a, a public services department for a city once, and after we talked about how he preferred that other people communicate with him, he sent a memo out to all of his staff, all of his engineers. He said, I want an executive summary for every report you give me. I want the report, and I want it to be well designed, well packaged, well prepared, but I'm telling you that I'm not gonna look at the report unless something in the executive summary smells funny to me. So put the time in to give me a really good one-page executive summary, and that's gonna dictate whether or not I go and look at the rest of the report. If you've done a great job with that, I don't need to go any further. Well, that's one style of how people prefer that you communicate with them. Some people, they're more relational. So you want to start, whether it's a letter or an email or however you're communicating with them, you want to start with something friendly. You might ask them about how their weekend went, or you might tell them a little bit about what happened in your weekend, depending on the level of personal relationship that you have. And then you go into the issue, but you keep it friendly and you keep it at a fairly high level. It's another style. There's another way that we know that people prefer that you communicate with them. They, they want things to be friendly, but stick to business, keep it logical, don't get into too much detail, just show me the path that you're going. So with these people, what they want is something that's consistent, 
something that makes sense, something that's logical, that, that, that it, it's a rational pathway of what you're communicating with them and you're not jumping all over the place scattered. And then of course, there's always the person that you're communicating with, they want all the details. They want the facts. They want to know that there's been good analysis that's gone into it. So it, whereas you may still send them something that's a brief summary, you make sure that you've got all the facts and that they're well-documented, well-organized, and that it really gives them a chance to dig deeper into whatever it is that you're communicating with them about. And I'm just giving you four big examples of how we communicate with people. So sometimes people ask me, well, I don't, I don't know the style of who I'm communicating with. I, I don't know how they prefer that I communicate with them. Well, I know that if that's the case, what you should do is you should take that third approach I described. Give them something that's logical, that makes sense, it's consistent, and not too much detail. That if you don't know who you're communicating with, that's the safest group for two reasons. One is everybody can relate to that. And second is we know that that's the majority of the population based on studies that we've done. So knowing your audience, knowing how to communicate with them is one of the ways that you improve your written communication skills. Let's talk about proofreading and the importance <laughs> of taking a moment to go over it. Yeah, boy, proofread everything. I proofread texts. I proofread Facebook posting, even though it's to friends. Uh, you proofread everything for two reasons. One is because you don't have a chance to fix it later on. And number two there's this thing called spell check that we think is our friend. And sometimes it takes a word that you typed in and it decides that you didn't intend to type that in and it changes it on you. And it can really change the meaning of what you communicated if you didn't go back and proof it. So first to make sure that you typed it in correctly. And secondly, to make sure that um, the spell checker didn't somehow change your communication because they thought you were trying to say something different. And of course, when it's something really important, it may be a letter and a longer letter or obviously something that's going to be made available to the general public, whether it's through a book or an article or a report, these things should always be proofed by somebody other than yourself, somebody who's getting a first look at it. And I've learned that people have different levels of natural talent when it comes to proofreading. There's some people that they can read something I've written and they'll never find mistakes. And other people will read the exact same thing and they'll find five, six, seven mistakes because those mistakes just scream at them. They jump out at them. And you do the best you can. You'll probably never get perfect. But for many, many years, Dale, I was the executive editor of a 32-page magazine that we sent out every month. And we would have 17 people proofread that magazine. And still there would be one or two mistakes that slipped through the cracks every time we did it. So the more exposure it's going to have, the more important the document, the more important it is that you be vigorous in the way that you do your proofreading. And I would say in proofreading, you're reading what you wrote and you know the information well and we read really fast. So it's easy to miss things like missed words, especially insignificant words like the and is and it. I found for me that if I read something important out loud so that I can hear it as well as seeing it, I catch a lot more mistakes. That is a great suggestion. That's a great way to go about it. 
And um, I've got to tell you, when Randy and I were writing The Complete Leader, I think we were on our eighth or ninth draft before we sent it to our senior editor. And I felt such a sense of relief. I thought, wow, we're there. We've crossed the finish line. And Stacey Innes, who's a phenomenal editor, came back to me two weeks later with 450 edits. (laughs) And here we thought we had it done. So I think one of the things that comes to this, not only reading it out loud, but a lot of times it makes sense in your own mind. And when somebody else reads it, they come back and say, I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to say here, because they don't have the same context that was working inside your brain at the time that you wrote it down. So both reading it out loud and asking other people who are looking at it for the first time fresh is going to help you to do a lot better to send out high quality written communication. And I want to pause right here. There are there is some news and some there are some pieces of information that should not be delivered in writing. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There's just time to pick up a phone or have a face-to-face conversation. Yeah, and I think the two big rules for that, one is when an issue is so complex that one-way communication is probably not the best way to deal with it. That means you should either have a meeting or pick up the phone or somehow connect where there's dialogue, not just communication going one way. Of course, a lot of us think, well, emails back and forth do that, but the problem is There's so much that can be read into emails and we tend to write them so fast and just hit the send button that there's so many opportunities for miscommunication, for getting off on a rabbit trail, for making a minor the major thing that you're trying to do that it when you're dealing with complexity that's one place where I say really pause before you decide whether or not writing is the right way to communicate. The other is when we're dealing with conflict. If they're misunderstandings, if they're hurt feelings, if there's a lot of emotion involved in what's being communicated, probably writing is not the ideal way to deal with it. And it's much better to find a different avenue of communication, which, again, is usually dialogue. And sometimes it's dialogue with a third party that helps the two of you to work through what you're thinking and feeling. These are the two areas where I say we make the biggest mistakes of communicating in written form when we should be doing it verbally. It's important to write, right? Yeah, it's in, this is with all of these skills, we get better by practice. Now, practice doesn't necessarily make perfect. As uh, one of our facilitators from Dublin, Ireland, Padraig Berry says, practice makes permanent. <laughs> so you want to practice at getting better at written communication skills. And there are a lot of ways that you can practice. It is writing, but it's also, there are other things that you can do. For instance, um, reading other great writers, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is a way that you improve your writing skills. You can pay attention to their sentence structure, to their approach, to the adjectives they use, to the color, to the richness, to the simplicity, whatever it is you're trying to improve in your writing by hanging out with really great writers by reading their stuff, you're going to naturally begin to get better yourself. You can keep building your vocabulary. There are a lot of apps right now on your smartphone where you can get one new word each day and maybe two out of the five days, the word they send you, you already knew, 
And the other three days, you got a new word that you can add to your vocabulary. And I do that. And one of the games I play with myself is whatever that word is for the day, I try to find opportunities to use it five or six times throughout the day. Because I know if I read it in the morning and then I use it five or six times throughout the day, it's really going to get secured in my memory and it will become an increased part of my vocabulary. Of course, if you really want to be serious about developing better written communication skills, you can take a class, either at your local community college or college, or you can do something online through something like Coursera, which provides these classes online to everybody, usually for free. Or you could get a writing coach. I've worked with a writing coach on several of the projects that I've been involved with. And then, of course, ultimately, if you want to get there um, and, and get to the highest quality of writing, you don't just depend on yourself, but you use editors or maybe even ghostwriters. And to me, that's a part of my quiver of arrows for improving my written communication skills. Who says I have to do it all alone? And this is one of the great, uh, I guess, aha moments that I've had later in my career is so many of the skills that I want to increase. The best way to increase them is to have people around me that are helping me, not just trying to carry it on my own. Well, fantastic. Well, you've given us a lot to think about as we focus on this core competency of written communication from the complete leader. Any final words for us, Ron? Yeah, I would say, first of all, don't write too little or you'll be ignored. You'll be forgotten. Don't write too much or you'll be disdained and undervalued. Write regularly, effectively, and authentically, and you'll be respected. Mm. Fantastic. You can dive into this topic of written communication in the book, The Complete Leader by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. And you can find much more about this videos, blogs, other podcasts uh, related to this topic and much more at thecompleteleader.org. All one word, thecompleteleader.org. Would you do us a big favor? Uh, while you're here, while you're thinking of it, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Also, while you're there, if you would rate the podcast, we would appreciate that five star from you and review the podcast, write just a sentence or two. You can practice your writing right now by writing a review of the podcast. We would definitely appreciate that. It helps boost the podcast up in search results, making it available to more people to help. We're here definitely to make a difference in the world of leaders. So thecompleteleader.org, subscribe in iTunes. And a big thank you to Ron. Great having this conversation with you about improving our writing. Thank you, Dale. Good to be with you. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.